Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to let you know about a non-toxic beauty summit happening free online March 9th through the 15th. Listen, as women, we are putting over 515 toxic chemicals on our body every single day. Our children, our babies are being born with over 200 toxic chemicals in them before they ever take their first breath. Toxins are the number one thing that age us. In the summit, there's going to be over 50 experts coming to you, telling you how to identify toxins in beauty products and procedures, how to transition to self-love and body acceptance, using diet and detox to build your beauty, and how to age gracefully both inside and out. Grab your free registration at bit.ly forward slash summit. 202. Welcome to the Toxin Terminator, helping people to restore and renew their health by removing the toxins from the home and their lives. Join in as industry thought leaders help you understand the physical and emotional effects these products can have on you and your family, and the safe alternatives you can use to remove the hidden toxins for renewed health. Now, please welcome your host, the Toxin Terminator herself, Amy Carlson. And welcome, everyone. Today, our guest has 20 years' experience in healthcare and education. She has successfully, still doing it, homeschooling her four children. Now, let me tell you, this takes some energy. While running her medical practices, helping running her medical practices and wellness company with her physician husband. So, like, I could do one, maybe not both or all three. Oh, I can't wait to hear how she gets her energy. She's got a health and wellness curriculum developer for Fortune 500 companies. She has a consulting business for people who are dealing with long-term chronic and genetic conditions. It's called Revolutionary Joy, and I cannot wait for her to share more about that. And she's really going to be sharing a very personal story of how they have overcome Not only herself, but all four children have been overcome with chronic disease and what that has looked like for them in their life. I am so happy, Libby, right, to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Amy. I'm so blessed to be here and I just love to share our story anytime I can to bring some hope and encouragement to those who otherwise might feel marginalized or forgotten or really frustrated with their state. Absolutely. And, you know, your chronic illness and specifically, you shared with me, you're dealing with Lyme disease, you're dealing with CIRS. So many times, I think in the conventional medical community, a lot of those symptoms can be treated like mine were, where I was told it was in my head, you know, that there wasn't anything they could physically find going on. Let's start with you, if you don't mind, and share with us what it was like having the Lyme diagnosis. Was that the first? Yeah, actually, that was kind of the final diagnosis. It was a long journey. It was almost a 10-year journey to get to the Lyme diagnosis. Wow. I started out after my fourth child, 
I just got really, really sick. I was 30 and I had about a two-year period where I had difficulty even walking across the room. I wasn't sleeping well. I had my bedpost was my IV pole. I couldn't absorb nutrition. So I was getting IV nutrients. I had a fever every day for almost two years. And once the doctors finally figured out what was going on, they compared my pain to that of undiagnosed and untreated cancer, cancer pain. So it was significant. It was really challenging. And I mean, I would just you know, get my kids down to bed at night and I would lay on the couch. I couldn't even lay next to my husband and I would just lay down on the couch and I would pray and cry and I would say, God, I think this is killing me. I think this is killing my family. Everywhere I go, they give me this diagnosis and some more pills and it doesn't help. It just makes me worse. I don't think I'm bringing anything to the table except suffering. So just take me. And, you know, at 30, that was my conversation with God. I mean, my husband and I had had discussions. If I don't make it, this is the kind of woman I want to raise my family because I really didn't think I was going to survive. But the second half of that prayer was always, but if you don't take me, then use me. Use this experience for some kind of good. Don't waste this experience. And so it was a lot of trial and error. My husband was actually an OBGYN at the time. And finally, after you know another round of specialists all over the country, he said, I can't just sit here and watch you die. I've got to do something about this. So he actually started looking into functional medicine okay. and uh, actually ended up going back to school and getting certified in functional and integrative medicine. And at his first conference, though, he called me an hour into it and he said, I think I know how we can get you well. Oh my gosh. So we worked diligently on that, did get me well. Then there was, you know, it was just, well, a lot of times with chronic illness, it's like this, you get the peak in the valley in the peak in the valley. You think you've hit it and then you really haven't. And then you think you hit it and you really haven't. And it finally culminated in a Lyme disease diagnosis. I also had interstitial cystitis. I had Graves disease with a thyroid storm, which affected my heart significantly. I just, it was chronic illness after chronic illness, this snowball. And it was like, we just couldn't get in front of it. And, you know, that's one of the things that we really had to learn through all this was very often there's this higher level concept happening. Oftentimes, it's not the silver bullet single diagnosis. It's hit after hit after hit. So it's environmental and emotional and spiritual and physical and genetics. And when you put all that together, that's when this perfect storm occurs and your body can't recover because we're designed to heal, right? We're God designed to be healthy. However, it can only take so much. So the Lyme diagnosis is kind of the culmination for me. Right. Well, boy, let me tell you, you're going through all of this and I want to kind of slow it down just a moment Yeah, (laughs) because, you know, I think sometimes too, when people start sharing their stories, maybe, you know, you've lived through it. And so sometimes we can kind of gloss over some things like that. For instance, you said at 30 years old, I'm trying to decide what kind of woman I want to raise my children. Yeah. Okay, let's not gloss over that. You know, yeah, that's yeah. heavy. Yes. You know, how did you feel, you know, at this time in your life? I mean, I hear the anguish and praying to God, you know, take me, but if you don't, then use me. Talk to us about what this is like at this time. Yeah, I mean, I had four little ones, two in early elementary school and an infant and a toddler. Wow. And my husband was a solo OBGYN in rural Louisiana, which meant he was on call all the time. <laughs> And, you know, we were ships passing in the night and I was just so exhausted. I would go to physical therapy 
and be in more pain and able to walk less by the time I left, which was mind boggling to everyone. Yeah, They were trying to figure out if I had cerebral palsy that had been undiagnosed. I had all these weird symptoms that they kept finding. I lost the use of the left side of my body at several different points in time. And that was one of those points. And it was literally survival. And that was it. There was no quality of life. But yet, for whatever reason, the gift in all of it was the tremendous faith I was able to develop through it mm-hmm. and the tremendous trust that God really had my best in mind, even though I couldn't feel it at the time. I mean, you know, I just looked at my circumstances and it didn't feel that way. But I just had this hope that really was not logical right? <laughs> that I'm going to find my way through it and that not only was I going to find my way through it, but that something really good was going to come of it and it wasn't going to be for nothing. Right. And as long as I knew that it wasn't for nothing, I could hang on just a little bit more. And sometimes it was by the hour. Sometimes, frankly, it was by the minute. Right. And I mean, it was my husband was so exhausted caregiving for me. My parents were missionaries out of the country. We had no extended family around us. And so we were trying to juggle all this. Now, thank God we had a wonderful community of friends who supported us, but it was a long, hard road and and very lonely. Most people don't understand the loneliness that you go through. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, my experience and what I believe tells me that, you know, we certainly, all of us want to be living above the wellness line. And I think when we get into talking about revolutionary joy, we're going to talk about that. But it's, I really think it's important to kind of dive into the emotions. We have the symptoms and the emotions and really what life was like at this time. And then we got to move on from it, right? We don't want to hang in there, right? So, you know, you were able to go kind of from diagnosis to diagnosis, but were you ever able to kind of identify, or maybe there wasn't one identifying thing like this led to this or this attributed to this? Are there things that you've learned over your journey that yourself today would say to yourself, you know, 10 years ago, hey, maybe we would have made this kind of choice instead? Definitely, definitely. Just trying to think how to say this. You know, everybody's, we're all designed uniquely. And everybody has their areas of strength within their body, within their personality, with everything, and then their areas of weakness. What we found was that really what was happening to me, I had a genetic condition that was underlying that we didn't understand. So if I could go back and look at that, that would have been huge. The chronic inflammatory response syndrome is actually, I don't want to go too deep here, but it is from, basically you get really sick from mold biotoxins in water damaged buildings. So it's not like the mold that you would see growing in your shower necessarily. It's like mold from if you had a flood or even in air conditioning vents, Mm -hmm. it can be anywhere. And my body just doesn't have a way to get rid of that. And so because of that, toxins were constantly building up. But I guess that kind of brings me to the point of we live in a very toxic world. (laughs) And I love what you talk about with this. But I mean, you've got all these hits coming from everywhere. So you've got environmental toxin with the mold biotoxin. You've got chemical sensitivities going on. You've got, you know, food that is just not really, I mean, it's food in quotation marks, right? It's not really food. The standard American diet is, you know, someone 300 years ago wouldn't recognize most of what we eat as food. So, you know, you add all those things up, then you add in, you know, electromagnetic sensitivity, you know, frequency, all this, I don't even know how to say it right. Just the insults from Wi-Fi, from cell phones, you know, a lot of people can get sensitive to that and not realize it when they have chronic illness. Right. And so it's probably not just one thing. I mean, a lot of people get tick bites. 
Some of them will even get tested for Lyme and it shows that they have Lyme, but they don't have any symptoms. Why is that? And I believe it's just because it's kind of like we have a bucket. And when our bucket gets filled up with toxicity from whatever angle it comes from, it's emotional stress. Mm -hmm. It's a loss. Then when that fills up, then it starts overflowing. And when it starts overflowing, then it starts seeping into every corner of our lives. And that's when there's the problem. So I think what I would tell myself, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago is, we have got to find a way to detoxify every corner of your life right? because that is where we will prevent this. And that's where the healing can really begin. Right. Because, you know, a lot of the people I work with are people who have kicked Lyme disease. They've kicked serious autoimmune things, but they're still not all the way well. And it's this mystery. Why can't I get well? Right. And it's the toxic environment piece and environment. I mean, loosely, because it's even inside of our heads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting ready to launch a book this year. And in it, I talk about the five pillars of living a toxin-free lifestyle. So you have air, water, food, what you absorb, and then emotional and mental. Mm-hmm. You know, that all plays a part of living in that toxin world. Now, let me ask you, have you heard of the MHTFR gene mutation? Yes. You know, so, yes, and I have that. Okay. That was going to be my question. So they say they, you know, I can't tell <laughs> yeah. you what scientific study at this point yeah. in the ball game, but you know, better than 50% of our nation actually has this gene. And what it means is that your body does not process toxins the same as someone who does not have this gene in their body. Is that correct? Is that your understanding? Correct. Yes. And that's where those buckets get filled up right? because the problem is it just keeps recycling within your body. Your, mm-hmm. your body has no way to let it go. And that's a huge piece of, I believe, what got me and my kids sick. Yeah. Sure. So are you familiar with what some of the symptoms are of somebody who may have the MHTFR? Am I saying that right? MHTFR. Yeah. Uh, Jean? You know, I think it really varies based on what the person's I mean, I almost think about it as something that is, it just depends what your areas of weakness are. Right. And for some person, it might show up as a migraine. Right. For someone else, it might show up as gut health issues. For someone else, it might show up as joint pain. It's one of those things where it it really, in my experience, I mean, all of my family has it and it doesn't show up the same in any one person Yeah. because it's just you know, kind of going after whatever the area of weakness is. So I have one child who was a gymnast. And so the joints are a big one for her. Right. Well, and I love how you, because my embrace with this whole thing is that there's not a one answer fits all. There's not a one diagnosis fits all. And I think sometimes I'm not against the medical community, but I think sometimes we're, they're trying to put everybody into these little buckets of diagnosis. And that can't always be the case when we have to look at the whole person. Some of the things that I learned about the MHTFR gene was, and I find it very interesting. And I think that probably myself and my son carry it. I've never been tested for it, but Some of the things when babies are born, if they have that little red rash on the back of their neck, that can be a sign that they might be a carrier of the gene. Mm -hmm. And also if they get the, I always thought it was a birthmark on my son on his forehead Mm -hmm. from being pushed through the birth canal. That's what I was told what it was. But what he has is this little almost diamond-like pattern on his forehead. Mm -hmm. And when he was younger, anytime he strained or, you know, 
it really, you know, brightened up and showed up more. You know, one of his sons has it too. And one of his daughters has it as well. So I find that very interesting. And they say those are two things, you know, with babies when they're born are good indicators that they probably have that gene. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard of that, but that makes sense. I mean, there's always tells that are going on, right? When you have something, but we have to know how to look for and what to be looking for. Right. So then, you know, I I know we kind of glossed over the fact that you had your own personal things and then your children, you know, also came out, you know, with these diagnoses as well. So walk us through some of the steps that you guys took as a family. I have to assume that you took some steps to eliminate toxins within the four walls of your home because that's what we have control over, right? Yes. Yes. So, well, I was kind of the canary in the coal mine. I was the first one to have anything going on. Although looking back on it, I can say, oh, that's why you had headaches or, oh, that's why your stomach hurt all the time. But at the time I was the, you know, it was the screaming, (laughs) we have to deal with this way situation. You could not hit the ignore button on what was going on with me. And so, I mean, there were so many things. I had some great specialists. The interesting thing about Lyme is is it is an infection. So Mm -hmm. I am not completely anti-Western medicine. There is a place for it and I needed to get rid of the infections. However, the antibiotics were not enough and they brought their own set of problems because of all the toxicity. And, you know, antibiotics don't just kill off the bad stuff. They kill off the good stuff too. So really the first thing that we focused on was my diet. I was living the standard American diet, the drive-throughs, especially, you know, and this is one thing with chronic illness people too. This is one of the first things I talk with them about is the fact that, okay, the thing that you have the least amount of energy for is probably the thing you need to focus on the most, find a way to do it. And that is your diet. It's so easy for us to just slip into, oh, I'll just go through the drive-through. Oh, I'll just buy this convenience food. Oh, I'll just this. Oh, I'll just that. And the next thing we know, we are just loaded down with food toxins. Right. You know, the first thing I did was get rid of the sodas. That was huge. Get rid of, you know, the processed foods. My husband, Jamie, is a physician and we've done a lot of curriculum writing together and everything. And he has something called the 150 years rule. I'll share it with your audience as well. Love that. If it wasn't around 150 years ago, you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> I like that. That's it. You know, I mean, that's it. And I won't go into all the details of it, but it's a nice little rule of thumb. You know, there were no Twinkies 150 years ago, I don't think, you know. <laughs> so there's no Twinkie tree you can pull that off of. So, so, you know, that was kind of where we started. I, It's interesting, the methodology that we've developed and now worked within, you know, the Fortune 500 company, worked within private patients and all that, because my husband's practice morphed from traditional OBGYN and surgery all the way into integrative wellness and with uh, corporate wellness in between there. But one of the things that we learned was that we needed to educate people on how to detoxify with food. Yes. Because that is a lost art form. You we pass down, you know, mother to daughter, father to son, whatever. And it just isn't there anymore. Nobody knows how to eat the foods that God designed for our bodies to, you know, be taken in. So... Absolutely. I've done enough interviews now and sharing stories that honestly, food is one of the biggest things that you can do to make a huge impact on your body. I just did an interview the other day of a gal who just by eliminating gluten and sugar from her diet, she was able to alleviate 80% of her pain. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks for itself. You know, I love the 150 year rule. (laughs) That's That's great. great. And I think what people don't understand is that 
Actually, you know, because I was one of those people too. I grew up working in a franchise business we owned in automotive. So I'm working on cars. I'd have no time to be eating. And so it was fast food. It was pizza boxes. It was horrible stuff. But I was of the mindset that I don't have time to prepare this big organic, lovely meal. And I think what you could probably share more than I can is that eating healthy does not take any more work. No, no. I mean, you know, I was running late this morning to get to the office and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just skip breakfast. And I said, ah, maybe not. I know I shouldn't do that. So I made myself a smoothie. It took me three minutes and I was out the door. The kitchen was clean. That's way faster than even a Pop-Tart. I mean, maybe a toaster waffle would be that fast, but that's about it. It's really all about changing your habits right. and adjusting your expectations. I actually did a challenge with our corporate wellness clients at least once a year where we would time how fast it would take to make something unhealthy versus something healthy. And it always came back that the real convenience food was something healthy. You can stick your hand in a bag of almonds, pull it out, and you have breakfast. Right. That's it. Right. (laughs) And then the other thing is a lot of people, another objection I get often is it's too expensive to eat like that. Mm. And I actually would do a challenge with my corporate people every year too, where we would actually set up a weekend's worth of meals for a family in the standard American diet and in the way we eat as a family. And invariably, it was about 20 to 30% less expensive for us to eat the way we eat. And that was because, well, of course, we were watching for good sales, but that allowed for rotation, which is really important in our diets. And then it also just, there's so much waste going on. And one of the things that I learned along the way too was, When we eat that kind of diet where we're not nourishing ourselves, the hunger is always there. Right. And the reason the hunger is there, even if we just downed, you know, a Big Mac and fries and a Coke and we can't physically fit anymore in our stomach, why do we still feel hungry? It's because our body is still cueing us saying, I need to be nourished. Right. And so, you know, that's one of the big things, especially for people who are losing weight is if you nourish yourself, it takes care of itself. It's all about nourishing, you know, not the empty calories. Exactly, exactly. So we looked at food, you know, that was one of the first things that you started taking a look at within your home. What about were there other things that you took a look at in terms of, hey, maybe this isn't such a good idea for us to have? Yeah, absolutely. As crazy as it sounds, water quality was another big one for us. I just moved to Arizona about a year and a half ago, and I love many things about it, but the water here is like pool water. (laughs) It's so chlorinated, and I'm used to well water from Michigan, and so... One of the things that we have always looked at, no matter where we live, is just what is the quality of the water Mm -hmm. and how can we make sure it's hydrating us in the best possible way because all waters are not equal. Right. So, I mean, that's another just really simple thing that can be done. I mean, we're all going to drink something, right? So if you switch over to water and you do a high quality water, whether that's from a well or just, you know, it's a good quality of water, it will improve your health. So that was another step. I also like to tell people to, when we're talking water, the first thing, and like what you're talking about, everybody goes to what we're drinking, right? What are we consuming with our water? But I like to tell them, pay attention to your bathing. You know, when we shower, you know, we're opening up the pores of the body. It's hot. And so you're absorbing everything. You're taking in those heavy metals, the chlorine, you know, all of that stuff, you know, through your skin. And so if you can't do a whole house system, there are filters you can put actually on your shower head. 
Yes, yes. And that's wonderful. And that's such a good, easy thing to do, right? I mean, yes. you're always going to be showering. I mean, to just pop a filter on, maybe it take you half an hour and it's going to improve the quality of your life. I'm on board for that. Yep. <laughs> I'll do that all day long. Thank you, please. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> no cutting, yeah. chopping. We just put, you know, yeah. push that on. Just like putting the filter on, you know, for the water you're dispensing to drink. So absolutely. Yes. Awesome. All right. Were there any products like within the home that you modified, taken a look at, you know, what you do laundry with, what you clean with, you know, those type of things? Definitely. I mean, it was just, it was interesting as I, I homeschool my children, you were asking how I do all that with, with what I do. So I'll just pop that in there as we were talking about that. Love it. One of the things that I have done pretty religiously is brought the kids along on this health journey because I didn't want it to be, well, there goes another one of mom's crazy ideas. I wanted it to be, oh, why wouldn't I do this? This makes total sense. I wanted to equip them for their lives. So when they go out on their own, it's already ingrained in them and they understand the why behind it and not just that mom's crazy and controlling me and doing all this stuff. (laughs) And so, you know, one of the things our daughter loves makeup. She just turned 15 yesterday and she loves, 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 loves makeup. She gets to do a little, I'd say tasteful is good. <laughs> so, yes. but one of the things that we had her do, she had to do a, a science project a couple of years ago for school and a science fair. And she was very interested in makeup and I would not let her get all the commercial makeup with just all the junk in it. Right. And so I made her do a research study on that and she actually created her own little line of chopsticks and lotion and everything based on what she learned. She's so religious about checking the labels if she's going to get something at the store. And that was an easy thing for me because I just presented the information to her. She got to experience it for herself and understand why. So, you know, definitely what we're putting on our skin, our skin is the largest organ of our body. So it's been ignored for far too long in the medical community. And it's really important. We do a lot of essential oils. In fact, one of the things that we used, I haven't gotten into the mold part of our journey yet, but we used a lot of essential oils, specifically thieves oil. There's studies out there that show that that actually helps with mold biotoxin. It's the only essential oil out there that does that. So we diffuse our house with that all the time just to make sure that there's no toxicity going on there. So yeah, definitely we did that. We did air purifiers. We did electro smog is a really big deal, especially where, you know, I live in the greater Phoenix area and it is a huge deal here. It is just, it's insidious. I hate to use that word, but it's just everywhere and it's harming more people than they realize. So I can share a little bit more about that now, if you want, or a little bit farther into our journey, but that was a really big understanding for us when we got there. Sure. No. And I think it's, we're kind of talking about what it was like with the Lyme disease and stuff. And like you said, we haven't even gotten into the mold because there's definitely a couple more areas that I want to get into with you, but let's keep going. And we've talked about some of the things that we are taking away or adding into, right? You know, Mm -hmm. we're adding into making life healthier for ourselves, but yes, please take us back. If I skipped over a portion of the story with the mold, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I, when I was diagnosed with advanced stage neurologic Lyme disease, uh, I was 2013 and the nurse practitioner who was just sat with me and she said, you know, I have never seen anyone this sick before. Your immune system looks like someone who is in the hospital actively dying of AIDS. That's how bad your immune system is. I know you've propped it up. You've done your husband's done wonderful things, but your body's shutting down and you're not going to survive this if you don't take really radical action. 
And that was a really hard hit because I had already been through so much. We had been through interstitial cystitis. We had been through Graves disease, heart involvement with that. And I was just like, how am I going to cope with yet another thing? I mean, she said, Libby, this is like cancer. If you don't treat it like cancer, you're not going to survive. So you need to quit your job. You need to get a nanny for the kids. You need to lay down. You need to take this seriously. This is all you can focus on until you're well. I think we can get you well. And I remember sitting there going, why bother anymore? Mm. If I fight this, I'm just going to fight something else. You know, I'll get over this and then the next thing's going to pop up. It's like whack-a-mole and I can't do this anymore. And I remember thinking to myself, what if overwhelming pain just equals more overwhelming pain and more overwhelming pain? And this is just the story of my life. Is this going to be forever? What's the point in fighting anymore? But then as I kind of took a moment and reflected and just kind of did this silent arrow prayer to God, like help, please. Right. I remember seeing this equation, like OP equals OP, overwhelming pain equals more overwhelming pain. It was like the second avenue opened up in my mind. What if overwhelming pain could equal overcoming power? Mm. What if that could be my equation? And in that moment, I decided that if it was at all within my power, I was going to take this overwhelming pain and turn it into something good, turn it into overwhelming power. And the reason I bring this up is the fact that mindset is a huge part of something that we we got rid of the bad and we brought in the good. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a toxicity that I don't think is talked about often enough, especially in the chronic illness community. The, the doctors, God love them, you know, they're wonderful, but they've got their diagnosis code, they've got their pill, or if, if they're more alternative minded, maybe it's acupuncture or an herb or whatever. And that's all wonderful. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have our minds under control, it's going to be really hard to win any kind of a battle. It just is. Right. I think I shared with you earlier, I was actually interviewed by a neuropsychiatrist about a year ago who's pretty well known. And he said, I can guarantee you, had you not had that mindset at that moment, you wouldn't have survived. And I do believe that's true. The way my labs looked, a cold could have killed me. Yeah. There's a story, if you don't mind me sharing, just super, super quick, because it encapsulates the mindset of things is... And I I don't know all the details behind the story, but basically what happened is this gentleman was locked in a trailer Mm. and he, for however was told or felt that it was like a freezer box Mm. and he froze to death. And when he was found, it was a trailer, not a freezer box. Mm -hmm. There was nothing. His mind was telling him that he was freezing to death, but he was not. And he froze to death. Yeah. Is that crazy? Yeah. So this is how powerful our mind is. It's huge. And I remember thinking, okay, how am I going to practically do this? Right. One thing I had always wanted to do and hadn't really ever done it was write a book. And so I said, okay, during this time, I'm going to write a book on stress. And I titled it The Art of Worry because we're all actually master meditators. We either meditate on the positive or we meditate on the negative. (laughs) And meditating on the negative is worry. That's all it is. And we're all really good at that. Mm -hmm. So it's about retraining our mind, retraining our spirit, our soul to get into the habits of instead of worrying, saying, okay, how can we turn this around? How can we find the positive? And this is not about being a Pollyanna. We can be very real about it. You know, if you look at Psalms, King David would lament these horrible things that had truly happened to him. But one of the things I always loved and one of the concepts I teach in Revolutionary Joy is complain like a king. You can complain and talk about whatever you want. Our only rule is this. At the end of the complaint, you have to find a way that we can find joy or something positive that can come out of this moment. Right. Because we cannot 
be stuck, left focusing on that negative, or we get in this really nasty loop. And that to me is probably the worst possible toxin we could ever encounter. Oh, absolutely. I'm so, so glad that you're talking about this. And I think it boils down. I mean, what people are, if you're listening to Libby's story right now, you're forgetting she's got four children that she is caretaking through this whole process. And while you're sick and healing, they are sick, right? Yes. Our 16-year-old at that time was about 12. And yes, he had Lyme and co-infections during that time and mono. Mm -hmm. And our daughter was really sick. She kept getting fevers at school. Couldn't figure out why uh, I had sent her to school as part of my plan to you know, take care of myself. And they kept sending her home. Ended up, she had a gluten sensitivity in Lyme mm -hmm. and she was getting gluten over lunch and I didn't realize it. Yep. So um, yeah. So yes, it was. And I remember my daughter, she was little, she was first grade, second grade, and, and she would just sit and cry. And I, I determined that I would, if even I had to crawl to their room every night, I would, I pretty much lost the use of the left side of my body. Mm. Couldn't feel anything from the waist down, was on cane crutches if I could walk at all. And I'm left-handed, so that was challenging. But I remember saying, I will tuck my kids in every night and I will play the piano or sing or do something to just help them know it's going to be okay. I need to make sure their mindset is okay wow. and that we're going to make this. And I remember talking with Anna and I would say, Anna, when this is all over, she loved to run. I said, when this is all over, we're going to do a 5K together. And she'd look at me and say, you can't even walk. What are you talking about? It doesn't matter. We're going to do this. Just put it in your mind. <laughs> so I had her train for a whole year. And at the very end of my treatment, when I was well enough to walk, I was able to walk the 5K. My best friend walked alongside of me as well as my mother-in-law. And it was just such a beautiful moment of, okay, we've made it through this. We didn't make it to everything. I'm not going to wave the victory flag that everything is perfect in my life, but I've made it to this milestone and I'm going to celebrate it. And we have great pictures of us. My best friend even got me a medal to wear <laughs> that I had done this. So, so yeah. What an incredible story. And I think this really ties into your revolutionary joy. I mean, just even the title itself is, do you have stories that you can share? I mean, not, you know, names or anything like that, but I think when people realize the mindset, you know, what that's like when you see that light switch click for them. Yes. Well, I remember one time I spoke with someone who had a really rough childhood and it was actually toward the tail end of the program. And she said to me, you know, this mindset work that we've done along with the other things that we focus on has been more effective for me than 30 years of counseling and therapy. Because what I try to focus on with revolutionary joy, first of all, revolutionary, we're revolting against our circumstances and we're turning towards something that we want. And joy is obvious. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Happiness is what's going on around us. Joy is what's going on within us. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about turning toward what you want, revolting against your circumstances and finding that joy from within and then sharing that without, you know, yeah, a lot of things that we talk about in my program, you know, we talk about what your natural inborn strengths are, how you naturally attack tasks, because very often we've been trained that, oh, this is the single way that we do this. And it saps our energy because we don't find the joy in that task because we didn't do it the way that we're designed to do it. And so, I mean, I remember I had one client who was really teetering on the edge of quitting her job. She was so frustrated and we also talk a lot about core values. And I remember her reaching out to me and just saying, Libby, now that I understand what I most value in my life and how I attack tasks, 
I know how I can make this job work for me and work well. And it actually saved her, <laughs> saved her job because, and the direction her career was going, because she was ready to throw in the towel. And once she realized the way she was operating was frustrating and thwarting her, she was like, oh, okay, I, I know how to turn this around. And those are just a couple different stories. I had another lady who had really severe adrenal issues and she did a walk, run 5K with her daughter-in-law a few months ago. She could barely get off the couch other than, you know, she'd go to work, do her work and then go home and lay down. So yeah, there's all sorts of stories. It's amazing how our mindset impacts every single corner of our lives because we're, you know, everything is related, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so maybe what we need to talk about is that's like the number one, you know, toxin, even before food, water, you know, environmental things is, you know, the between the two ears, you know, what are we doing there so that we can make the good choices on the other side. Absolutely. And you know, it's like a snowball effect. When we start making the right choices for ourselves and we start having the right mindset, it becomes easier and easier to collect better habits because habits can't be broken. They can only be replaced. So what we want to do is upgrade our habits to things that work for us and for our health and not just always do the default. I love this. So we're getting kind of towards the end of our time, Libby. I want to make sure that you are getting out the points of your story. I think Mm -hmm. one last thing that I want to talk about is a little bit of self-care. You know, we're talking about getting our bodies through a healing process, but let's talk a little bit about self-care. And, you know, maybe you're not the one with the chronic disease, but maybe you're the person who's caring for someone with a chronic disease. Can you share some of your insights? on that. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. You know, I didn't really understand what it was like to care give just as a little aside when about three years ago, our son developed really strange symptoms. He was on the honor roll, student council president, amazing musician, super brilliant. And he just started having these weird symptoms, sweating all the time. He was sleeping well. He, his stomach was in knots all the time, could not figure out what was going on. And finally, within a 10-day window, he went from totally normal, except these few little symptoms, to a nonverbal autistic-like state. Wow. And we later discovered it was this mold biotoxin illness and that he was getting hit from multiple different angles. But he was just so ill that you know we went to all sorts of specialists trying to figure out what was going on. It was terrifying mm-hmm. to have your child go through that. And I remember several doctors just saying, you know, you're going to need to check him in and it's a one-way ticket. He's not leaving probably, you know, he'll need to be placed in a home. Here's disability paperwork. He's going to be disabled the rest of his life. I mean, seeing this kid going from this totally bright future to that, Mm. talk about grief, terror. And I remember calling our specialist, our Lyme specialist in Michigan and saying, have you ever seen anything like this? And she said to me, I've only seen it one other time. It was when Valley Fever and Lyme hit the brain simultaneously. Get him here. Every day that you lose, every hour you lose, we might not get him back. So we rushed from Colorado to Michigan. And this crazy journey ensued of two years of me 24-7 care. I could not leave him alone for a moment. My husband was still working out of state because you can't just like leave your life. We dropped everything and moved to Michigan to be near the specialist. 
And then it culminated in finally with my husband and the specialist working together, figuring out we had this mold biotoxin illness, which then required us to leave all of our possessions. We had to sell everything because it could have all been contaminated and move to Arizona with nothing but the clothes on our back and some Amazon boxes waiting for us with like plates and cups mm. and like a foam mattress and some sheets. And that's how we started over. And talk about caregiving in a super stressful situation. It was insane. My oldest son was so ill, he started showing these symptoms. He couldn't read. He was having trouble speaking. He was having seizure-like activity. And this kid was you know, 33 on his ACT without studying. I mean, he was super brilliant and he couldn't read anymore. Oh. He was so terrified. And so dealing with these multiple children, you know, and then I've got the little ones who are just afraid because they don't know what's going on. Right. And right. how do you take care of yourself in a situation like that? Because you feel like you're in a pressure cooker. Right. Well, sometimes easier when you're in the beginning of it, because people understand they bring you meals, they ask how they can help. The problem with a lot of these things is the chronicity, right. whether you are the patient or the caregiver, people understand a broken leg. People understand even cancer treatments, even if it takes a while. People do not understand, I have this in my body for the rest of my life. I will be dealing with this for the rest of my life. And it's hard for us to even understand because how do we accept something like that? Mm -hmm. And so what I really try to do as I work with clients is help them understand that, of course, we're always going to be trying to find more ways to get you healthy and totally focus on that. But the best thing that we can do in the meantime is take care of you, get your mind in the right spot and, and begin moving forward. Because if we're waiting for the magic pill, the magic herb, the magic diagnosis for us to all of a sudden be better, we're probably going to be waiting until we take our last breath. Right. Because it's these buckets of things that fill up. It's usually not ever just one thing. Right. And so how do we practically take care of ourselves? There are a million different ways. Of course, reducing the toxic load in every way you possibly can is great. For us, one of the big things that we finally discovered was that EMF sensitivity and this mold biotoxin often go hand in hand. Wow. So simply turning our cell phones off turning the Wi-Fi router off and cording everything was huge. We even got EMF protective clothing for if we were going out. We had to do some, you know, just elimination of getting out and about, especially here in Phoenix. There's just internet and, you know, Wi-Fi and cell signal everywhere. Yep. And that's something that affects everyone necessarily in a way that you can see, but it definitely affects my family. And the great thing about that is you can actually heal from EMF sensitivity if you take it seriously. So, you know, like a really easy gimme I'll share with your clients, turn off your cell phones, you know, check them once or twice a day, but you do not have to have it attached to your body 24 (laughs) seven. And a really cool side benefit to this that I'll just share with you with mindset. My daughter just had a birthday party a week or two ago. And the interesting thing was a couple of the kids, we told them they had to come in and shut off their cell phones because of this genetic condition. Uh There were a couple of kids that just outright refused Uh and were losing to them the whole time. And we talked with our daughter about the addiction that so many people have, where they have to be looking at the screen. They don't know how to interact with humans, one human to another. It's going to be a really big problem in our culture in the coming days. And so, you know, one really easy way to self-care is get yourself unaddicted to these devices. TV. And and turn off 
Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, TVs like the smart TVs, they push off a ton of EMF. So unplugging those things, that's a simple thing. It doesn't cost you a dime and it can really help improve your health. I know it's not my, but I just thought I'd share that with you. And it actually (laughs) saves you money. You know, if you don't have TV in your house and you're not subscribing to a service, you're saving yourself a lot of money which is a great thing. So yeah, anyway, absolutely. I love that you address the EMF and that again, it's just another one of those sensitivities that people could be, yes. it could be an issue. Microwave, you know, would be another item in that as well. Yeah. And we just, unplug- we never use the microwave. It's unplugged from our house. And I would just challenge people, take a week and do an experiment. Yeah. See if you feel better. And interestingly enough, some people actually have to detox from it and feel worse for a few days when they come off of it. Yep. So be prepared yeah. for that. But <laughs> the mindset that's going to come with not being attached yeah. to that phone is is absolutely going to be incredible. Yeah. You know, for people when I go places, my cell phone isn't even on me. Yeah. I am of the old school. I'm quite a bit older than you are, but I was around before cell phones were around. You know, and yeah. you know what? The world still turns. <laughs> And what we've found too, you know, speaking of mindset is we are so much less stressed out, not being at the beck and call of this little machine all the time. That was the biggest thing that I discovered. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not stressed out and I'm not getting 15 texts while I'm driving. Not that I would ever check them before, but you know, you hear it paying and it distracts you for a second. And so just that alone is absolutely huge. That's that's a huge self-care thing you can do for yourself. Turn off unplug a little bit. And the ways that you can interact with other people, the thoughts that you can think, the fact that your mind can just settle down Mm -hmm. because we are Mm -hmm. so overstimulated as a culture Mm -hmm. that that is a huge gift you can give to yourself as a caregiver. You know, finding a good support network is another huge thing because so many of the support groups are pretty negative, frankly. You know, it's just wine session and then they go away. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually created a free Facebook support group that I have for people with chronic illnesses. And I have a sister site that I help create for caregivers because it's just so important that we can have positive and real conversations about what's going on with us and just have other like-minded people around us. Yeah. Would you mind sharing what those groups are? Sure, sure. And I can give you the link afterwards if you want to put it yep. put it on. But it's Finding Your Joy, Overcoming Chronic Conditions Together is my group. And then we have a wonderful sister group called Supporting Caregivers of Adult Dependents. Okay. And they both have that same goal of supporting you in a positive way, being very real, but being very positive. Because one of the blessings of technology is you may not have anyone in your circle who understands what it's like. My kids had traumatic brain injury from this mold illness. And even the specialists of specialists said, there is no hope, there will be no recovery. And we were able to recover them. And I attribute a lot of that, not only to my mindset, but also having a tribe of people around me who were Mm -hmm. constantly encouraging me, praying for me. And even if they couldn't exactly understand, I knew that they were in my corner and I knew that they were there for me. That's just huge. Other things that you can do for yourself, whether you're a caregiver or, you know, have these illnesses yourself one of my favorite things is segmented breathing. I teach on this all the time. Changing your breath is so big. When we're stressed out, we're all, we're breathing all from right up here. Mm-hmm. We're not taking those deep belly breaths. And I had a lot of trouble sleeping with my son so sick 
well, first of all, I was having to listen for him all the time, mm-hmm. but also just the stress. I mean, by the time you get him asleep at 12 or one in the morning, you're a giant stress ball and you can't, oh, I'll just go lay down and sleep now. Well, that's not the way it works. Right. And so one of the hacks that I learned was segmented breathing, because as you do that, you're oxygenating yourself, you're slowing yourself down and you are, I mean, I used to really have trouble sleeping and now within five or 10 minutes, even when I'm really stressed, I can be asleep. And that's a huge skill to learn. You know, there's all different self-care techniques. I wish I could go into them all. Dry brushing is another one that I teach. That's so great. It just gets your lymph system going. Finding some kind of movement that you can do that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm you know, maybe it's roller skating. I don't know, whatever it is, find something you love. For me, it was Pilates. Pilates was what got me walking again. And I don't go a day without it because it not only reduces my pain, but it just, I feel so much better. Even just five or 10 minutes a day, it's, you know, life-changing. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we are in a chronic stress society Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's kind of like we've got the bear chasing us all the time. So we are in constant fight or flight. And one of the things about fight or flight when a bear is actually chasing you is you burn off all of that stress. That stress is there. It is a natural response that we're supposed to have that's designed to protect us. The problem is there's no bear chasing us. It's that our internet didn't work right, or somebody yelled at us at the office, or, you know, the kid is sick again, or or we're having caregiving issues, but we don't have anything to physically run away from. So we don't have a way to burn that off. So segmented breathing and physical activity of some kind, I really recommend high intensity training of some kind, if you can really get that heart pumping. I love Pilates because I can do all that from the floor. No matter how my legs feel that day, I can still get my heart pumping and moving. I love such great tips, Libby. Now for our listeners, and I know we're on a hard stop here, we need to get going. So I want to make sure they know how to get a hold of you. What would be one or two easiest, best ways to reach out to you, Libby? Sure. Well, the easiest way would be to jump on my website. It's my name, Libby, Mm L-I-B-B-Y, joy, J-O-Y.com. So LibbyJoy.com. And that's the easiest way. I've got some great teaching on there. I've got links to my other resources and and also links to get in touch with me if this is something that's interesting to you. Also, my Facebook group, Finding Your Joy, Overcoming Chronic Conditions Together is another great way. Um, probably the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Wonderful. And I know you mentioned a couple different books and I know that my editors will grab that and we'll make sure that we've got those posted in our show notes as well as we'll have that available on the blog too. Libby, any final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, Yes. I think I would just like to share with you and your listeners that no matter what you're going through in life, whether it's a physical situation, emotional, spiritual, whether you're a caregiver or someone who is dealing with this yourself, I just want to encourage you today that there is so much hope. From someone who has felt hopeless, I just want you to know that there's a beautiful, wonderful life out there. And just don't give up. Keep pushing forward. Keep asking the questions. Keep searching to find your answer. I would love to help you if there's something that I can do, if this has resonated at all with you, I would love for you to reach out to me and just talk. We'll see if we can, you know, what we can do to point you in the right direction. And the other thing I just want to share with you is you're not alone. So often in these situations, we feel like we are alone. We feel like we're the only, we're the only one in the world who could ever be feeling this way. Right. 
And isolation is the enemy. So reach out there. And, you know, whether it's to my free Facebook group, whether it's to me or some other resource, just reach out there. Keep reaching out until you find your tribe because we're not meant to do life alone. And we're especially not meant to do the hard chapters of life alone. We're created to be communal beings and we need that fellowship and we need that support. So keep searching for those answers. And I just can't wait to see the beautiful results of all these efforts that we put forth over time. Absolutely. Libby, your presence is just so calming and so inspirational. I thank you for coming on and being so vulnerable and sharing with me and with our audience. Thank you. Well, thank you. All of this today is part of that prayer I prayed all those years ago to make something good out of the hard things that happened in my life. And I'm so blessed that I'm in remission with all these things now. And now I'm reaping the rewards of praying that prayer. And and I'd encourage others who are praying that prayer, stay faithful. We don't know how long it will take to get there. We will get there to the point of being able to be the person in the encourager seat someday. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's been a real blessing and a pleasure to meet you. So thanks. You bet. That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.